The scripture we'll be reading from today is Micah 5, 2 through 4, and Micah 6, 6 through 8. But you, Bethlehem Ephratah, are the smallest town in Judah. Your family is almost too small to count. But the ruler of Israel will come from you to rule for me. His beginnings are from ancient times, from long, long ago. The Lord will let his people be defeated until the woman gives birth to her child, the promised king. Then the rest of his brothers will come back to join the people of Israel. He will begin to rule Israel in the power of the Lord, like a shepherd, He will lead his people in the wonderful name of the Lord his God, and they will live in safety, because then his greatest will be known over all the world. What must I bring when I come to meet with the Lord? What must I do when I bow to the God above? Should I come to him with burnt offerings and a year-old calf? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams or with ten thousand rivers of oil? Should I offer him my first child to pay for my wrongs? Should I sacrifice my very own child for my sins? Human, the Lord has told you what goodness is. This is what he wants from you. Be fair to other people. Love kindness and loyalty and humbly obey your God. Will you pray with me? God, it has been a week. A week for our family, a week for other people's families, a week for this nation, a week for the world. And so we come to you with heavy hearts, busy minds, and weighted souls. And so we ask for you to calm those things in us, to silence any voice in us but your own, to open us up to the words that you have for us this morning. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. Amen. I was cleaning out some of my stuff. I've told you about the boxes of children's things that my mother keeps dropping off at our house. Every time she comes to visit, she seems to have another box full of things that she's kept my entire life, like my fourth grade um, report card, which is very important to keep. Um, How do we do that now? They're all digital. I guess I need to print them all out so that I can also burden my children with their fourth grade report cards. But in one of the books, uh, one of the boxes that I opened, I pulled out this sign that I used to have in my room when I was a child. And it was a sign, it was like yay big, and it was from the 90s, so it was like 90s colors, you know, at least a Frank kind of thing. It was very pink. Um, And on it was a list of things. At the very top of it, it said, I am, and then it was a list of good qualities, beautiful, smart, kind, you know, all the things that girls are supposed to be. And then at the very bottom, it said, it's hard to, oh, and above all, humble, in big letters. Which I'm sure my parents thought was hilarious. <laughs> that came the same Christmas as um, a badge for my backpack that said, it's hard to be humble when you're as awesome as I am. 
And I think, I really do think, this was my parents' attempt to help a child that they saw struggling with their self-esteem. Because you know what happens, especially for girls, but it happens for boys too. At about 10, 11, 12, we start to realize that our, our physical bodies matter, right? That's when we start to be really aware of grooming and like wanting to do our hair and like makeup and things like that, right? It's when I started buying Seventeen magazine, which is poison, please don't buy that, right? Because what it taught me was that in order to be a girl in our society, I needed to be a particular, look a particular way and behave a particular way. And none of those were the ways that I looked or behaved, right? It was an impossible standard. So my parents saw that I was struggling with self-esteem, and so they bought me all of this paraphernalia that was supposed to help my self-esteem. Except for at the bottom of every single one of them, it told me to be humble. And so it's a mixed message, right? So how do you feel good about yourself and proud of yourself and be humble at the same time? And so the message that I got was, be humble, which translated in my teenage brain to hide yourself. <coughs> you know, the way to be popular, I was told by Seventeen magazine and all of my friends and accidentally my parents, was to hide the parts of myself that were different. To, to smooth myself out as much as possible and to look and act and talk like everyone else. Which was torture for my parents and all adults because that was about the time Clueless came out. And if anybody else went through the Clueless phase, there was a lot of like and as if, right, in my life. And basically, so what I got, the message that I received throughout my entire childhood was, pride is a sin, and you need to be humble. And to be humble, hide everything that is special about you. And I tell you this because I don't think that that is a unique message to me. I feel like often in our society, we are told to blend in, to be like everybody else, to be humble and hide your gifts, whatever it is special about you, so that other people don't make fun of you, or other people aren't jealous of you, or other people aren't, aren't uncomfortable because of your unique whatever it is. Now, Micah 6.8 is sort of the Presbyterian motto and I say sort of because it is. If you, like, if you look at um, the denominational marketing materials, on almost every single one of them, it says, do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God. Now, the version we read this morning phrased it a little bit differently, but that's basically what it is. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. And everything that our denomination is doing right now splits fits into that motto. That's what we believe. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. It's on plaques, it's on pillows, it's on embroidered Bible covers. This is the theme verse. So what does all that have to do with what I just talked about? Well, it's this. Micah's main complaint is that the people of Israel have taken their gifts for granted. Micah lives at the same time as Isaiah, but Isaiah is a court prophet. He's the king's prophet. He's in the palace, and so he's got to be nicer to the king than Micah does, because Micah is a farmer who lives in a field who nobody's listening to, except for the people who also are like Micah. He stands up on top of the hill and he yells, 
you know, you're not living up to any of the things God has told you to do when you made all those promises a long time ago. You know, those covenants that you made with God, the promises you made with God, the one that starts with Adam and Eve where God promises to be their God and goes on to Abraham where God blesses them as the unique people of God who goes through to Moses and says, hey, remember that part where I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people? There's some conditions. There's some conditions. There's some things that you got to do on your end of the bargain and it goes straight through to David and to Solomon, who built a temple to God that was rivaled any building in the Middle East at the time. And all of the people in Israel thought that because they had the coolest temple and the best God, that they could take for granted their end of the bargain. They didn't have to do anything except for let the priests pray in the temple. And so the people of God forgot what their gifts were. It became too easy to be a person of faith in Israel. And so they didn't take it seriously. They just let the priests do the worshiping for them. They let the priests talk to God for them, and they just became like everybody else. You couldn't have told the difference between the people of Israel and the people of Babylon or Egypt, the people who were in the land before them, the Canaanites, all of them were basically the same kind of people. They'd forgotten that they were special. And Micah, who has nothing to lose, starts calling them to account. In chapter 5, he says, remember that you are the covenanted people of God. You have responsibilities and you are not living up to your end of the bargain because you are acting like you are just like everybody else. God's given you gifts. God's given you a special place in the world. And all God asks in return is that you do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. So they're supposed to use their blessings and gifts. They're not supposed to hide them. They're supposed to be lifting up the parts of them that are different than all the other people in the world because they are the messengers of God in the world. And it turns out you can't share God's message if you are hiding that specialness, if you are trying to be like everybody else. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. And we try, I think most of us try to do those things. We want to be right to other people. We want to be fair with other people. We want to treat people the way that God treats them. We want to serve God in this way. But we, being people, often miss the mark. But our hearts are in the right place. We want to be just. We want to do justice. We really do. And we try to be kind. I try to be kind. We try to be kind. We don't always make it. We try to be kind, though. We try to see people through the lens of God and treat them with kindness. The part that we struggle with is the walking humbly part. Because we think it means that we have to hide. Or that we have to in some way suppress ourselves. Or we have to be just like everybody else. That we can't be proud of ourselves. Or that we can't say this is what's good about ourselves because that looks a little bit too much like pride. And pride is bad. 
I've got to tell you, brothers and sisters, that other people, other churches have no problem talking about how awesome they are. Right? You can walk down the street and see bunches and bunches of signs all along the road of churches telling you how awesome they are, right? So why do Presbyterians act like we can't be proud of ourselves and how awesome we are? There are good things that we are doing. There are good things happening in this church and in other churches around the world. There are good things happening. I just got a note, an email from a church that's doing an interfaith Thanksgiving service. What is that but kindness? And doing justice. Why do we feel like being humble has to mean that we have to hide ourselves, that we have to act like we can't be proud of who we are? Each of us individually, every one of us has a gift God has given us, and it may not be a shiny gift. It may not be one like Liz who stands up and sings in church. That's an easily noticeable gift. But I got to tell you, you know what's equally important? Miss Elizabeth, who prints the music off, because they wouldn't be any singing if she didn't print the music off, right? Or there are lots of other gifts that are equally important. John's here every week making sure that our bills are paid, which I, for one, am thankful for, because if I was my job, it wouldn't, it, would be bad. it wouldn't be good. And it's a lot of work. And it's okay for John to be proud of the fact that he does that. And it's okay for us to be proud of John and his dedication. And I could go around the room and be thankful and tell you what each person in this room has done for this church. And you should be proud of that. Every one of you has brought a gift to this congregation and made us who we are, which is a place that genuinely loves people, loves each other, is genuinely welcome. There are lots of churches. I mean, when I was doing my pastor church, every single church said, we're a welcoming place that likes new people, right? But this place actually is. And it should be proud of that. And we should be telling people about that. And we should walk out of this door and be telling the world that this is a place where they are welcome. It's okay to be proud. In fact, you can't do things like love people and promote justice if you don't brag a little bit about yourself. You have to be confident in who you are. You have to live into your gift. You have to say, I have something to share with the world, and I'm going to do that. Because my God has blessed me. My God has promised to be my God. My God has asked me to walk in the light of the Lord. And when we do that, we can't help but shine. We teach kids that song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And I wonder if we don't forget how to do that when we get older. If we don't get a little bit more comfortable hiding our light under a bushel or letting Satan blow it out. Let your light shine. Be kind when other people aren't being kind. And then be proud of yourself for making that choice because it's not always an easy one. Walking humbly with God just means that we acknowledge that God gave us the gift in the first place. It doesn't mean to hide it. It doesn't mean to be ashamed of it. It doesn't mean you can't be proud of it. It just means saying that your God has blessed you and you want to share it with other people. And there is no way, that, no better way to do justice and kindness than to share that gift. So get your little light out. 
watching you. Get your little light out. And repeat after me. Pastor Liz, this week, I will let my light shine. Promise. Amen.